Hey, Jeff. Hello, Aaron. <laughs> Welcome all to all my spooky children. Spooky. <laughs> A Halloween Spectacular, Part 2. So, uh, this is a podcast where every week we take your listener prompts, we bring them down into our lab, we put them on our slab, and we experiment on them in the hopes that one of them will, uh, come to life. Oh, yeah. And hopefully, ideally, create a smash hit dance craze that we can then cash in on for the rest of our careers. Yeah, every week um, we create five lab monstrosities and kind of put them together like a band at Chuck E. Cheese <laughs> and and hope that they create the next monster mash. <laughs> so, so far the closest we've gotten is uh, the Wizard Wiggle. It's not great. See, but the Wizard Wiggle made us a lot of money. Even though it's like it's banned in like thirty different <laughs> countries, it's 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 controversial to say the least. Um, but uh, it's it's doing okay. We're hoping to get a little more traction, a little more social media coverage. Um, but um, it's doing all right. Do we have a prompt this week or something, Aaron? <laughs> I, we do. First, Please I pull me out of this. <laughs> I can't. You're you're in. First, I do want to apologize for the sound of my very rough voice. The musical Miss Saigon was very good, and I screamed a lot during the curtain call. Um, we do have a very spooky prompt this week, Jeff, and I'm very excited about it. It is indeed spooky. The prompt this week comes from Twitter user Demoon Rules. Hi, Demoon Rules. Hey, buddy. And the prompt is Headless Seven. Headless Seven. Which honestly sounds like a shitty movie, like Headless 1 through 6 already happened, and then this is Headless 7. I would would watch the hell out of Headless. I would specifically watch Headless 7, like, without having watched the other entries of the Headless series. I would be all in on Headless 7 as its own separate franchise. Like, its own separate thing. Because you know by that point they've run out of ideas for the Headless series, and so they're getting real weird with it. See, are you making a call-out post for Saw right now? No, I wasn't. I was actually specifically <laughs> thinking of Leprechaun, because like, just by the time you get water. to... By the time you get to Headless 7, you've already probably done Headless in Space. Like, that's probably 5, right? So Headless 6 is probably, like, back to its roots and, like, okay, we need to take the Headless character back. So then Headless 7 is probably, like, sort of the the love letter to the earlier, the mid, the mid-level Ridiculous Headless series. So yes. it's, like, a little tongue-in-cheek. It's, it's probably got some actors that are, like, slumming it a little bit, and they're kind of trying to do, like, an image rehabilitation thing where it's like, oh, look, they're having fun with their character. That's a lot of fun. Can I tell you the cast of Headless 7? Yes, in, please. In, in our world? So the lead, who is, uh like, the guy who has to, you know, like, stop Headless 7, but dies at the end and becomes Headless 8, is mm-hmm. David Schwimmer. Oh, for sure. David Schwimmer is absolutely <laughs> the star of Headless 7. It's got a cameo by, I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say Kane. It's got a cameo <laughs> by Kane, who is just, re- like, Kane is sort of in this weird pre-retirement phase where he's running for mayor in Michigan or something. Yeah. Like, so it's probably got Kane in it playing I- the character of Kane, and he probably choke slams head. He tries to choke slam headless, but like, he doesn't have a head, so he just slips right through, and he goes, oh, no, and then gets murdered. Um, I'm going to say the person who kills David Schwimmer, who chops his head off to make him headless eight, is Carrie Washington. 
And like, you watch it thinking like, Kerry Washington, why are you in this? You deserve better. Okay. All right. So, hey guys, that was a epi- quick episode of our new horror movie podcast called um, Spook Em If You Got Em. Spook Em If You Got Em. Yep. Shelving that for now. <laughs> yeah. All right. So we're going to put that one on the shelf. Thanks everybody for listening to Spook Em If You Got Em, episode one, uh, titled Headless Seven, The Death of David Schwimmer. Okay. So this though, I have an idea for the real headless seven in yeah. our in our world. In fantasy. So as if you're a loyal junior listener, and even if you're not, who cares? Welcome to all my fantasy children. So back in the day when the famous King Arthur was slain by a human named Delta, which would be what, four? You know, like you said it was like the fourth human in the yeah. Rust Iron Hands episode. So what I'm thinking is headless seven. Is one is one of the humans in that army who is either haunting something or is like a serial killer or mm. like just a legend or something spooky. I kind of want it to be like the headless horseman. Where it's like haunts like, a bridge. I specifically like haunting something because like roll me some pronouns. Okay. He won. Yeah, so he's headless. Like it's in his name that he's headless, right? Yes. So I yes. specifically like the idea that he is undead and haunting something. How? Okay. So Seven was a human in the army of Dragon vs. Iron Hill. Mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. How did he lose his head? Did Big Jeremy just fucking grip it and like smash it in his hand? Or was it something related to what he haunts? It's got to be related to what he haunts. Like okay. it's important that it's... If he, if if we're making a if we're making a full on headless horseman ghost story thing, it's got to be related to the thing that he haunts. It's got to be unjust, and he's got to have like an object, a thing that he attempts to achieve even after that thing may have been achieved. Okay, like so he has a goal. He's not because the original headless horseman just guards the bridge. Yeah, like lives in the woods of Sleepy yeah. Hollow. Yeah, he guards the bridge, but like even after the invasion or the the people that he's guarding it from have stopped, he still guards that bridge. So I want Ooh. I want headless sevens has an objective, right? Yeah, something something happened that was unjust to him, or that he pledged his life to, or something to that effect. I and he continues this. towards that objective because the thing that I like in ghost stories is they meet their objective and the or going from the other direction you try to slay the ghost and the ghost doesn't go away like you 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 accomplish that objective and it's like okay cool doesn't stop the ghost okay this is good okay so what kind of what's a kind of like a ghost mission you know what's mm. the headless seven uh, guarding what's the headless seven is he preventing people from coming somewhere or obtaining an item hmm. is this like guarding a magic spear you know what i mean now hmm. it is it is now guarding yeah. a magic spear okay so how did he die was he killed by like an ally or something or killed by an ally killed by a hero killed by an accident i definitely am gravitating towards Killed by an ally has an an, unju- an injustice to it. Yeah. That feels ghostly. But I also kind of like, if he's protecting something, I don't know if we have to go the vengeance route. The vengeance route almost feels easy in that case. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if you're protecting, he's protecting a spear, yes? Mm-hmm. Is the spear cursed or is it good? 
you know, is this a benevolent or malevolent spirit? You know what I mean? Hmm. Is he keeping people away from the spear or is it his? And he's like, I don't want anybody to have it. Because it has tangible form, but he has like a weird spectral thing going. Mm-hmm. So he can't wield it anymore. But why? Why can't he use the spear? Maybe. Well, here's an idea. And yeah. I don't know where this idea leads. But okay. here's a pitch. The spear is not magical. Okay. It's not a magical item that is guarded by this spirit. It is, you know, adding to the ghostly mystery of it. It is a mundane ass spear. That has some kind of significance that when he died, he he pledged, I will not let this spear go go away. Hmm. What is the significance? Is it in a certain locale? You know, is it his family spear? You know, um, mm-hmm. just like what is the importance of this? Because if people. OK, so if it's a ghost story, right, he's protecting it. That means people go near it or mm-hmm. want it. If you were to, I'm thinking it's not so much like it is a spear that if it's mundane, if you were to like pull it out of the ground, does like something else happen? Like the mouth of a cave opens to like treasure or does it, oh, is it, okay, Here, here's a pitch I have for you. The ghost of Headless Seven patrols a spear that's jutting out of like a mountain wall, stuck, someone stuck it in there. I don't know if it was he was impaled by it. If you remove that spear, the mouth of the cave opens and like a deadly presence is released or like uh, a monster or a miasma of doom. Is it something like that? Is it a seal? Did he plant the Mm. spear there to lock something in? Mm, I like that. I'm into that. I like the idea that, yeah. It is a mundane spear that was plunged into a mountain, and he plunged it into that mountain to lock something in, to keep something contained. Was his power encased, not encased in the spear, but, like, he used all of his magical life force to, like, create the barrier around what is now, like, the mouth of this mountain cave? Is that mm. how he died? Was Did he sacrifice himself? Like... No, I don't think he sacrificed himself. I think you know the ghost from you know the 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 guardian from the Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. I don't. I don't know those movies as as well as I should. So they there there's a there's a knight that's guarding the Holy Grail. Okay, and he just sits there in front of the Grail for millennia, and they come and they find him in Indiana Jones, and there's a whole puzzle where you have to drink the right Grail to and. When somebody drinks it, he basically is like, oh, you have to you have to guard this now. And he fades away into dust. Oh, so this is what? So what I think it is, and I'm I'm using this example. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What I think it is, he fought something. He plunged it in. He plunged the spear into the mountain. He vanquished whatever he was fighting. Maybe it's not trapping. Maybe. Okay, let me let me throw some. I got some. I got a few ideas that are kind of percolating right now. So Headless Seven is fighting something. We still can we can still hammer out the details on what that is. He plunges his spear not into the mountain to trap it, but into the monster's chest to slay it. All right. Or into the monster, plunging it through the monster into the mountain, jamming the spear in the mountain. But there is a chance that the monster could come back. So what ends up happening is Seven just sits there watching and eventually 
eventually the body of this thing decomposes and fan and fade and dissolves into dust, but he still has to sit there. Oh, so you mean you mean like he just sat there guarding it and eventually it just faded away? Yeah. Oh, so this is like his eternal watch. Yeah. Oh, I love those. Okay. I okay. Let's talk about Headless Seven. So now mm-hmm. we have the we have the setup of this ghost story where he sat guard knowing that if someone were to remove the spear or smash it, the monster would be released, yes? Hmm. Is it is does it come back? Is what I'm saying. Can it only be killed like temporarily, but he isn't he's in fact trapped it. What if sort of the grand tragedy of it is that it couldn't? Oh. So that his spear like he stood here, he stood watch because it it could have, right? Maybe there was yeah. a time when it could have. But it has been so long that, like, whatever that presence was has simply stopped, has simply faded into the ley line. But he cannot let up his watch. And so, in that way that, like, the Headless Horseman is guarding a bridge even years after the war has ended and any threat of that bridge being invaded has stopped. The threat is gone, but the Watchman remains. All right, we hit the point where now we we have our legend. So we set up, like, our ghost story of Headless... Why... Okay, so in the fight, does he lose his head? Or is that, like, a nickname? Was it, like, a... People called him Head... Is it, like, a name he was given? Like, oh, Headless Seven, because he did foolhardy things. You know, was that, like, his night name? Or did he lose his head? Maybe it's both. Ooh. Like, because if you think about, like, ghost stories, right? Yes. A lot of them have that sort of play on... If it was sort of an ironic fate, so to speak, like he lived his his career as a a traveling warrior or what have you. If he lived that career impulsively and foolhardily, not really considering risk, and people called him Headless Seven. And then in his final battle, in like the the children's poem ghost story version of the life of Headless Seven, he fights this final battle. He does not consider the risk. And Headless Seven lost his head. Ooh. Okay. That helps me with a... I'm sort of I'm sort of getting Headless Seven. The image that I'm seeing is a... Hmm. You think he's, he's like a knight, right? I'm mm-hmm. thinking like plate armor type. I'm thinking Headless Seven in combat is what I would sort of think of as like a drunken master, but with a spear. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's, yeah, yeah, it yeah, yeah, looks yeah. really goofy, really loose. He's like a tactician combat expert, but appears to be, you know, out of control, bumbling fool, but really knows what he's doing. Convinces you, he convinces you to let your guard down by acting a fool. Yeah. But like gets, but is also getting you into position where he can stab you with the spear. Yes. Headless Seven, I think, in just, you know, in an act of, you know, heroism, trapped a monster away, killed the monster, plunged the spear in. But why? That's the thing. Like, why would someone do that? That's so nice. You know what I'm saying? That's like a crazy, strong act of heroism. I'm just trying to figure out who this guy is. You know what I mean? Like, what drove him to be like, and I can't move from this spot? Because that's some, like, super noble shit. Hmm. That is a very good. So the so the children's story version is that he never considered the risk. He went and fought a monster, lost his head, 
stays here now because this is where he, the spot where he guards, right? Mm-hmm. But what if that's not accurate? Tell me what is accurate. What if this is, what if after a lifetime of glory hounding? Yeah. Doing these things because I want to be, I want to, you know, do it, you know, going out with like, oh, there's tell of, there's tell of a, of a land shark out in the woods. I'm going to go hunt that thing and I'm going to come back and be famous. So it's a lot of like answering adventuring calls, but doing it because I want the glory and the money and the fame and the power and all that. But then what if the monster that he killed on the mountain was the one time he took it seriously? Ah, uh, oh, can I can I have a setup for you? Yeah, yeah. Uh, world wise, so the humans of Dragon that are like the most powerful. How many? How many do you want there to be? Eight, twelve? You know, you can just give it a number. And create some lore real quick. How many? Like Delta, you know, seven. How many of them do you want to be max? Is there a number? We'll say seventeen. Okay, so the seventeen humans of Dragon, right? They are like the Knights of Dragon, the keepers of, you know, they they protect the city back in the yesteryear. Um, You know, they all have varying personalities. Delta, Ferocity, they go out and... Because I think there's group hunts. So imagine Mm -hmm. Delta and the Headless Seven out on a hunt, you know, spearing that land shark, you know, you know, just going out and doing, like, night shit. Mm -hmm. So when the banners are called... And they're riding to Iron Hill to, you know, deal out some pain. Headless Seven doesn't heed the call, or Seven at the time doesn't heed the call. Seven is seeing that there's a major threat to the city, and if all the knights are away, this threat mm. can't be dealt with. So Headless Seven, oh, he he must have slept in. He's he just is so careless. When in reality, he's the only one that noticed that there was a monster about to destroy the city of Dragon. Can I stays behind? Oh, can I add a detail to that? Oh, fuck yeah! What if it um it wasn't Dragon oh. that Headless Seven died defending? What if it was some tiny town out like the Saving Private Ryan thing, where it's like this weirdless town that's kind of not in the middle of it's in the middle mm-hmm. of nowhere and. So he kind of they're they're on their way to Iron Hill. Yeah. And he, you know, they they're they're kind of stopping in these towns. They're they're resting, they're relaxing. He hears tell of this of this monster and he's and everyone else is like already leaving and he's like, "Well, but the monster's going to come this t- like they'll burn this town to the oh. ground. They will destroy this." And then but there's nothing there's no one that can do anything. Oh, Jeff, that's so good. So it's th- it's the one time that he takes it seriously because he's like, well, but nobody else is going to stand up. I think he deserts. Yeah, like for in sure. the in the dead of night, he sneaks off to this uh to the Astro Crag, basically, basically, and battles this uh this monster protecting this town. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So is this a regional ghost story? Like in some places, the story of Headless Seven is different. Like the story of Headless Seven and Dragon is that like, oh, he's such an idiot. He like forgot to go to the story war. the story of headless seven and dragon is he got okay actually now now some things are starting to come together in my head i'm I'm very excited the story of headless seven in dragon is that children's story because pete because like he maybe there was a confrontation with like with delta mm. maybe he told them hey we have to fight this thing we can't go off we can't just go off and leave them we have to do this 
And Delta said, no, like our mission is Iron Hill. Our objective is Iron Hill. We march on Iron Hill. So Headless Seven goes off by himself and dies. So the story in Dragon is that Headless Seven was headless and was not thinking, went off, got his head cut off, and died in the woods. So it's the whole poem about like, about, you know, be... Be aware and be responsible. Be thoughtful. Consider the risks. Don't do things recklessly. Don't go off on your own and try to be a hero. Oh, that's so good. I love the idea that people... Okay, can I can I give you a thought then? Yeah. In the city, in, in the region of Dragon, there happens to be a mountain with a random spear in it, and people think that he's still sitting there guarding it as a ghost. Mm-hmm. It's like not even accurate. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, in yeah, the, yeah. But in this small town of, what is the town's name? North, ha- North Haven. In the small town of North Haven, it's, you know, people know that this, the mountain, okay, so is it, is it sort of like that thing where across generations and across different regions, people have similar, you know, hero tales and ghost stories but some, you know, some are just different. They just differ in small ways. Mm-hmm. So this is like, you know, there actually, there is a mountain that has like a gash in it. And they're like, oh, that's from Headless Seven defeating the monster. You know, you don't go near that because Headless Seven is protecting it to this day in case something else comes out of the mountain. Headless Seven will like, you know, you just don't go near it. Headless Seven will push you back. Stay away from... The Astro Crag or Headless Seven will get you. Mm-hmm. Is that the kind of idea? Yeah. Yeah, it's it's that Headless Seven patrols the woods around this mountain face, right? Yes. Spear in hand, like ghostly spear in hand. He marches the wood, guarding this gash in the mountain, from which once upon a time something bled, and maybe someday something will bleed again. But he marches, and if you, when you look into the woods on a clear summer's night, when the mountain is clear and crisp and there are no clouds in the sky, you might still see his figure, like, you might still just see glimpses of his, of his form walking with no head. Okay, this is good, first of all. My question is, is he really a ghost? Is there something there, you know, or is it just a story? Like, is there actual, because now we can shift to like, is there actually like a place you shouldn't go? Because Headless Seven is there. Hmm. I kind of love there being a ghost. Oh, yeah. No, there's a ghost of the Astro... <laughs> is it called the Astro Crag? The Crag of... The Crag of Astro. <laughs> the Crag of Astro um, is a mountain that, yes, like, it's dangerous to go there because there may be another beast. And also there's Headless Seven who... Do you see him riding on a horse like the Headless Horseman? I think he walks on... I think he walks on foot. You just hear his footsteps. You hear you hear the breaking of twigs as he march yep. solemnly marches through the wood. The clank of armor, like ching, mm-hmm. ching, ching, ching. Oh god, that's so good. Okay, so I want to talk about Headless Seven, like who he was in life. Just just because, mm-hmm. it's because I love his ghost story. But let's talk about Headless Seven. So like, I'll I'll, I'll start it like his if he's just a normal guy. Like, what kind of family is he born into? Or is he, like, created? You know He's what I mean? He's created. He was one of the 17 knights, the created knights of, of Dragon. So what is his life like? You know, what is an upbringing like like that? Is it just a life of combat? Or is that a perception from, like, that, like, Legends of Iron Hill might have? But 
does he like go to school as a kid or does he come out as an adult? <laughs> I kind of see it. I kind of see it not unlike uh, if we're going created, if we're going created people, I kind of see it not unlike Star Wars clones where they are like age, they age quickly. It's sort of a military academy environment. But I think, I think once you kind of reach adulthood, it's not necessarily like pure combat. It's like, you know, you reference knights and I think it's sort of that knightly travels of like protecting things and traveling around and adventuring and all of that kind of like adventurer stuff. Okay. So Seven is, he's a knight. Because if Dragon is like a city of what, like logic and, mm-hmm. you know, magic and, uh, is it like a place of order where, hmm, or where, or is it, is it strict, like rule wise? Is hmm. kind of what I'm getting at because I'm trying to figure out why he's so foolhardy enough to that that attitude gets him a nickname like it gives him his knight name. That would mean that the environment is kind of tight and strict. Yeah, I think that that makes sense. Like he he if 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 his attitude is going to earn him a nickname, it means Dragon has to be kind of strict and maybe even like stuffed shirt stuffy, right? Like pompous. Yes. There's a pomposity yeah. to it where a uh, where oh. Uh, a goofy, impulsive guy is going to get a reputation. Okay, so he's he grows up and he lives in a, not a militaristic society, but just a place of magic and law, and they're like researchers. They're, mm-hmm. they're smart people. It's like a city of magical scientists, like wizards and shit. Yeah. So if you're not really into that, well, I think he is. He, like, you know, he he loves dragon culture and, like, that life of magical discovery— I just don't think he takes it as seriously as the other knights might, especially comparatively. Maybe Delta gave him that nickname. Hmm, I like that. I think, yeah, I like, well, I like that they, I like they, I like the idea that they gave him a nickname. And I kind of, I'm thinking that his attitude is that all of that kind of order and logic and magic and science and all of that is great and is valuable and has a place, but he just kind of wants to have fun. Yeah. Like, he wants to have fun and get cheap glory, and he's kind of, he's a goof. I like this. So, okay, I want to pick, what's his favorite activity to do? Just for a lighter note, for some funsies. What does Seven, what does Headless Seven enjoy doing more than anything in the fucking world. I just thought of something incredibly random, and I kind of just want to say it. Go for it. In the, in the City of Dragon, <laughs> one of the most popular competitive activities, Jeff is skipping stones. <laughs> he loves skipping stones. I was going to say he loves campfire stories. Okay. Because I think he loves... <laughs> brag well maybe he loves skipping stones and campfire maybe it's wait, literally wait, 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 wait. let's combine these two jeff are there competitive scary stories in dragon is it something yeah like is it something like he tells the best fucking scary story they have like competitions maybe it's not even yeah it's not even and i don't even know if it's necessarily scary stories it's just like competitive storytelling Ooh. and it's like because i think part of it is that one of his favorite activities is straight up bragging Mm. Mm. Oh my god. This Jeff, this makes actually a lot of sense and this is going to get really cool. Okay. Because uh st- storytelling and I think that dragon because they love magic and they love, you know, logic and and you know, they value wisdom and stuff like that. 
Storytelling is fun, and it's really fucking hard. So if you can tell a story that is not history, like create a legend, that's something I think legends that are spun and like tales that are told and epics is like, it's, it's pretty fucking competitive because I'm thinking, why the fuck would Delta, maybe Delta spun the story of Headless Seven. Mm, mm. Like the story that's inaccurate was made up in like a competition sort of way. Of like, oh, well, you know, my friend Headless Seven. Like, even things like death, like, if you know that Headless Seven, you think he's dead, right? Mm -hmm. Delta thinks he's dead. Delta spins the story to become legend, to become a ghost story, in, in as a way of, like, honoring a friend of theirs. I love the idea that, that these legends that they're crafting are not wholesale fiction. They're, like half fiction and maybe that's the maybe that's the uh the competition part of it is tell is not telling an entertaining story by its own merit right but no, is telling no. a story that is based in and and convincing people th and and the challenge the competition is if you can make people buy the story that you've made up as fact if the thing oh. that you've if the story you've crafted people buy it as you know, people, you know, people give it that sort of that buying it as fact in that way that you buy an urban legend as fact. So they're so it's that kind of like, yeah, OK, it's probably not true, but like it's fun to think it is. So if you can get people to to appreciate a story on that level where they're like, yeah, OK, all right. Yeah, sure. Sure. Headless seven patrols the woods, got his head cut off. Sure. I'll buy that. That's that's I'll buy that. Sure. Can I give you a very specific image real quick? Mm hmm. If in the city of Dragon, legends and creating these half-truth, you know, epics about people is like, you know, it's something that people do to honor them. We're zooming in on a bar in a small town. We see a man sitting at the bar, clad in ordinary clothing, spinning a tale about Headless Seven. It's a tale of a knight that climbed the crag of Astro, drove a spear into a beast, carving a gash into the mountain a hundred feet long, and forever he will stand guard on Mount Astro, or the crag of Astro, he will stand guard in case any beasts threaten this town again. Jeff, did Headless Seven create his own myth so that he could live a normal life away from the other sixteen? You could say no. No, that fucking <laughs> that fucking rules is the thing. Like I well cuz it it ties it all together so beautifully, right? The mm -hmm. idea that his favorite thing is bragging and favorite thing is telling stories not of other people. His whole thing is is telling stories about himself. So mm -hmm. I don't even know if it was necessarily as a way to like get away from being a knight. Mm -hmm. What I think it might have been is honestly he gets to have it both ways. He came up with the ultimate way to get the glory, but live to see his glory. Like, live oh. to see the reward. <laughs> so he came up with, he like, he made up the legend of Headless Seven, right? Yeah. And he did it. He just started telling the, the story. And he was like, well, if I make it that I died, or if I made it that Headless Seven died... Then I get all I get to watch Headless Seven be a hero and yes. be a legend and inspire people and more importantly, 
I get to win these competitions with my own story <laughs> and have people look at have people look at me, even if it's not me in quotation marks, as this as this amazing legendary figure. And then I get to live on Easy Street. Yeah, pretty much. He gets to watch people spread his story and listen to the different versions that, like, you know, different cultures might adapt to fit, like, you know, to fit their beliefs and, like, you know, cultural needs. Like, that cool way that a story evolves based on, you know, the beliefs of certain different kinds of people. Mm -hmm. He gets to, like, witness that change and really watch the evolution of the legend of Headless Seven. Mm -hmm. He gets to create like he created the ultimate spooky story and also like the wave that that ripple has created across the entire planet that's great oh shit do you want to roll on tables because i really fucking do i do i do i do i do damn headless seven you're just a, you're just a guy like you're just a guy who created him like he may have done that shit but like no one will actually know we're going to use the charlatan. I like charlatan. But I want to set up a scene before I do. You know, please do. I mean, I'm always down for extra stuff. Because, I mean, I, he's fleshed out a little bit, but we could always go further. Well, this is just, I want to set up a cliffhanger and then roll on some tables. Because I think we've, we're at the point where I want to wrap it. Heck yeah. But uh, the cliffhanger is um, Headless Seven is strolling on foot. Because every store, because every great myth has a basis in truth. He's strolling on foot from one one gig to the next, right? One competition to the next. It is a clear summer's night, and he's walking, and he sees the, the crag of Astro up in the distance, and it's clear as day, not a single cloud in the sky. The summer sun is hot, and he's sweating a little bit, and he dabs some, some sweat off of his brow with a handkerchief, and he smiles, and he just goes on his way, but then he stops, because he hears something. Kachunk. 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 No, he's... It's it's just... It's... He shakes it off. It's just the summer heat. He can't. Kachunk. 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 He looks out into the woods. It's that kind of humid heat where everything is a little bit... You see the, the heat waves. You see the, the the air start to wiggle. And that's... he's That's all he sees, right? He's... He definitely doesn't see a figure in the woods. That's, it's, it's just the summer heat. Right? That was very good. Yep. Okay. Let's roll <laughs> on some tables. That was so good. All right. Give me a D8. D8 go. Click. One. I fall in and out of love easily and I'm always pursuing someone. I don't mind this. I have, I have a spin on it. Please. He, it's not necessarily that he loves someone, it's that he loves the act of, he loves the competition of storytelling, mm -hmm. and he gets very wrapped up, he gets so, he gets very wrapped up in the competition, and he, he forms a lot of, a lot of, like, rivalry crushes. Okay. He takes on a lot of, like, if you, if you best him, like, he seeks you out, and, like, kind of, like, flirtatiously kind of keeps, keeps egging on this rivalry. And he's, and because he's very good at it, he's very charm. I think he's, there's a charm to like, there's a charm to like the fact that he's like, I'm gonna come back and I'm gonna, I'm gonna beat you. 
And also, I don't see why it can't be both. Like, he's very, I think he's a person, just in general, that just is sparkly. Mm-hmm. You know what he means? He, there's just a shimmer about him that's infinitely attractive because he's a very, he's a very, he's not a bad person. He's a fucking hell of a storyteller. And something about that is hot. He's very playful. And he's, he's always, he's, he's quick with a smile and a wink and a twinkle of the eye. And he's got a drink ready. And he just tells a good story. And like... He's a charmer. He's a charmer. He, he loves life. You know what I mean? He's someone mm-hmm. who appreciates life and excitement and glory and telling a good tale is for the sole purpose of entertaining other people. So I think that there's something very attractive about him in that mm-hmm. way that like people like performers. Mm-hmm. You know, we 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 almost uh you know, romanticize them. Even that itself, where it's like, oh, I go from one person to another. Maybe that itself is just a romanticized story of Headless Seven, you know, what I mean? of this mm-hmm. guy who, God, have you met him? He just travels around town, that man. And he, what he does, how he tells his tales are just incredible. And then he's gone. Mm-hmm. And like, I love it. All right. Give me a D6 for an ideal. I got a six. Aspiration. I am determined to make something of myself. I mean, that's just couldn't be perfect. more perfect. Could not be more perfect. But what is it? What does he want to be, though? Because if people don't, if people think that he's dead, what does he want to be? Is it just for himself then? Like, I want to be a living legend. Yeah, it's that he wants. He, I think that I think you nailed it on the head. He wants to be a living legend. He wants to be the. He wants to be a bright. He wants to be a star in the sky, and he wants to craft a legacy. But he also wants. Oh selfishly to get to witness that legacy i love it so it, it makes so much sense too because we said that the the city that he grew up in is a little not as a little stuffy and a little like you know he grew up with 16 people who are just driven into becoming the best warrior they can be and for someone that's not you you know his entire goal might just be to tell stories and entertain people and become a legend not use it not with combat but he did he did both kind of Mm-hmm. He'd used stories and is a combat legend without ever actually using his spear for anything, maybe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love it. I love it so much. Give me give me a D6 for a bond. And four. I was gonna say don't roll a three, because I'm not going down Sam Gord again. <laughs> <laughs> I come from a noble family, and one day I will reclaim my lands and title from those who stole them from me. Hmm. I don't love it, but I don't want to re-roll it. Yeah. Let me give this a spin, because I'm yeah. not, I don't love, there's a lot of it that I don't love, but there's kernel of something that I like. The okay. idea that he, I think it's almost, I'm going to make a big move here and basically say it's the opposite. He comes from, I think the Knights of Dragon are seen as like a sort of nobility. Oh, of course. So maybe it's not necessarily a full 180. Maybe it's that like, if he's needed, if a situation were to arise where he really felt like he needed to don the armor again. Maybe it's that he has his armor in a sh- in like a case, and he carries it. it from town to town. Here is my twist on that. Um, what can you read it one more time? I come from a noble family, and one day I will reclaim my lands and title from those who stole them from me. So what I see that as is, uh, he basically misses what are essentially his like relatives, mm-hmm. the other knights. Maybe they're scattered. You know what I mean? And he wants to one day see them again and bring them back together. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And kind of not restore like the order of these knights, but rather just hang out with all of the people he grew up with again. Because he's just traveling from place to place. I think a lot of 
a lot of his nights are spent, something's tugging at him being like, I wonder where Delta is. I wonder how, like, obviously he knows how Iron Hill went, the expedition, Mm -hmm. but like how many fell, you Mm -hmm. know, how many are still alive? Obviously not a lot after (laughs) Big Jeremy was done with him. So maybe he wants to, he wants to see his friends again, not gather them together for like a counterattack, but just like pick up the pieces of what was. Yeah, I like that. Maybe he just he just wants to see he wants to see his friends again. He misses yeah, them. Yeah. Yes. That it sucks. Like he he ditched them. You know what I mean? We did say he snuck off mm-hmm. in the night to like accomplish his true dream because combat was not it. And if he found out like, "Oh yeah, Big Jeremy wiped out like a good 90% of the 17 of us." Like you'd be fucking that's a bummer. I would want to like find some of them again, see who's left. Maybe he's spreading the legend of Headless Seven to kind of like, it's like pinging, mm-hmm. you know, like to see who knows, like, whoa, Headless Seven, I know who that is. Like, if someone comes a call-in, he'll know that it's one of the 17 people. And I think part of it is that, you know, the road is lonely, right? Like, yeah, man. He, he spent much of his young adulthood traveling with a group of people that were trapped, that they traveled alongside each other and then. He found a destiny elsewhere, and now he travels alone, and that's great, because he's free. He's not bound by any of the order that he was bound by before. He mm-hmm. can be who- he can be his- he can lead his own destiny. But, like, those long roads from town to town, that can get real quiet sometimes, and real lonely. Yeah, especially when you're spreading your own ghost story, mm-hmm. you know, like maybe there are times that he wants to find love, but can't because he can't really be honest about who he is. Mm-hmm. You know, he is a charlatan. He has to lie about himself because he's headless seven. If people find out that he's not dead, the ghost story is dissolved. Mm-hmm. So he has to go by like an alias and he can't ever get truly close to anyone. I think that's a big reason why he's he's looking for his friends because they're the people who he can be like, it's me. It's seven. Yeah. And like, let's hang out again for the love of God, because I am so alone. This is sad. It got sad. This is a ghost story. I dig it. He's like a sad ghost. Give me a D6 for a flaw. Five. I can't resist swindling people who are more powerful than me. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, and it, it, that kind of ties <clears throat> into the competition aspect, right? Like, he's not, I think he specifically is telling this ghost story in places like, in places where he's going to get money for it, right? Like, he's good at his job, so he is he is specifically seeking out, like, venues that will give him a good, pen, like, high-risk competition, both because it's his own ego of, like, I'm really fucking good at this. But I think it also kind of ties into, like, if I go where the money is, where the people are, maybe, maybe... Some I'll see a face that I recognize. That's what I was thinking, where, like, it's more of he's he's playing the big houses just because the numbers are in his favor that, like, someone may recognize him from the old days and so he can reunite with them. So, like, if you're playing the amphitheater of Geode, you're, there's going to be, like, 200,000 people watching you tell the story, the, Geo, the Geodian version of Headless Seven. Mm-hmm. So it's that he he plays to the places where his influence can be the strongest. One, to spread his glory. And two, that someone may recognize him who really knows him. I'd like to add a little detail and then we'll call it a wrap. 
no, add, you can add as many details as you want, because every time you go, I want to add a detail, it's really fucking good. I think he loves, I think he plays these big venues and he seeks them out, but I also think he makes a point of going to the Lucky Bug. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so wait, so he goes to Iron Hill. Oh, I forgot that was an Iron Hill. Maybe he doesn't. No, no, he does. Keep going, because now I have a detail. Okay, so now there's there's two reasons why he likes it. Okay. There's a certain thrill to, to, to him going to Iron Hill and, like, getting going in and going, like, leaving. Yeah. But also, I think maybe uh, Spot Shellman, as a, as a noted historian, oh. is the one person that, like, maybe doesn't fully realize, doesn't, oh. hasn't fully put it together. Yeah. But, like, no, but, like, he actually goes there, he, here's what it is, he goes there and doesn't tell stories about uh, Headless Seven. He just goes there and chats about, like, old history with Spot Shellman about, like, and then they just kind of, like, like talk about history. He, like, shoots the shit, and there's sort of that, like, the thrill there of, like, he's looking in, into Spot L. Shellman's compound eyes and is like, do you know me? You might. And that thrill, I think, is sort of... If it's 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 glory, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. There's a thrill in that. There's a challenge to like I'm sitting across the table from you and you have no idea who I am, but we're telling story we're swapping stories about eight eons ago. And there's something wonderful in that of a a fellow his Well, I mean, Spot L. Shellman is a fucking hell of a storyteller himself. Mm-hmm. He just has a shitty medium. So I think that's like a kindred spirit. Can I have a detail? Yes. It is Fall in fantasy. What is it? Is what we would think of as October thirtieth. Seven walks to Iron Hill, is approaching the grand. What I'm assuming is like a gate, you know, like a wall with a gate. He approaches it. You know, they give him. He gives him the wave. He passes through. It's mischief night. Is a term in our region, uh, where on October thirtieth you're supposed to do. You know, no good deeds and things like that. But on October 30th, every year, Seven goes to the fields of Iron Hill, where flowers bloom and trees are marvelous. The willows are constantly weeping because it's the battleground of the great calamity with Dragon and Iron Hill. And every year, he brings a Dragonian wreath one every year for each companion that he finds out is no longer with us who passed in the battle every year he gathers a new he gathers more intel he lays a wreath hmm. on that field to honor them on hollow on October 30th every year that's just my nice detail cuz if he went to iron hill i honestly feel like he would be like pouring one out for his friends yeah i like that and i think that's a wrap on all my spooky surprisingly sweet bittersweet children <laughs> I mean, last year we made fucking pumpkin jay. So it's like every year we're like, this one's going to be spooky. And then it isn't. <laughs> well, that was real good. Uh, thank you. Thank you so much to Moon Rules. Uh, that was a very good prompt. Uh, yeah. Simple but effective. Very simple but effective. If you'd like to submit a prompt of your own, there's a lot of ways you can do it. There sure are. You can tweet at us at AMFC underscore podcast. You can use the hashtag fantasy children. You can also post it on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash allmyfantasychildren. You can also email it to us at allmyfantasychildren at gmail.com, or you can post it on the on our Discord, the link to which is pinned to our Twitter. 
Yes. Also, send it to us through our website, allmyfantasychildren.com. With all yes. the episodes are there, and we have a prompt submission thingy, and it's great. I have some really cool Patreon backers to thank this week. Okay. We have new backers. Thank you, VJ. My God, for your patronage. Thank you so That's much. So, yes, you're the coolest. I hope all good things happen to you this uh, fall. I hope you really enjoy the weather. Uh, also, Katie Colip, thank you as well. You're thank so, you so fucking much. Cool. I really appreciate that. Yes, my gosh. I hope that you. Hmm. I hope you find twenty dollars on the floor to, on the ground today. Yes. I hope when you look down right as you're listening to this, you see $20, and it, like, leaps into your pocket. Yeah. And also, Michael Oman Regan, thank you so much. You're the best. You are the bestest of the best. Thank you so much. I hope, hmm. I hope the next candy bar you eat is the best candy bar you've ever eaten. I hope it moves you to tears. Uh, and on that note, if you'd like to become a backer of our show, um, you can find out how to do that on patreon.com slash allmyfantasychildren. Check it out. There's reward tiers and extra content, you know, backer rewards and all that fun stuff. Yep. Patreon dollars help pay for equipment fees, hosting costs, convention appearances, all that kind of stuff. Speaking of convention appearances. Oh, shit. Uh, we're both going to be at Metatopia the, this coming weekend, which would be November oh, 2nd to the 5th. That's like in a day. Yes. Um, that's Morristown, New Jersey. It is a game design festival. It is wonderful. It is my favorite con of the year. You should check. You should you should swing by. And if you see us at that convention, say hey. And then I am going to be at a catacon the following weekend in Dayton, Ohio. And then there's a little convention called PAX Unplugged in a little city called Philadelphia, goddamn Pennsylvania. Zio! Um... Which is where I live, and I'm very excited about it. I will also be there at that. <laughs> Me too. It'll be great. Oh, Come you hang out with us. Packs? That'll be great. Yeah, I, I got did. fucking tickets. Let's go. I did not know that. Surprise, motherfucker. Uh, yeah, I'm what going. A, what a pleasant Halloween surprise. <laughs> um, also, real quick, if if you don't have, like, we, we talk about Patreon and stuff, and they post about it, blah, blah, blah. If you don't have the coin, or you just don't kind of don't feel like it, feel free. Like, honestly, iTunes reviews, we got a couple of them, but I would... I would really appreciate it if you wrote a quick little thingy for us. If you really like the show, it helps us grow and meet new friends that give I, us new prompts. iTunes reviews are really, really helpful for that. Um, you know, and also, like, just tell a friend. Tweet at. Yeah. Tweet, tweet about enjoying the show. Like, recommend us to a friend of yours that likes fantasy or world building or role playing games. Just, like, tell a friend, you know. Yeah. Little things like that go a long way. Like, that's how... That's how shows grow and things happen and cool stuff gets done. And, like, it brightens our day, too, is the other thing. Like, it just makes us feel good. It's true. My God. So much work goes into this show. (laughs) I just love when people tell me they like it. But also, speaking of cool shows, this is the this is the best post-show thing we have ever done. Happy Halloween. Also, Jeff is a second podcast. I do. Why aren't you listening to it? Uh, it's called Party of One. It is an actual play podcast about two-player role-playing games. Every week I get uh, – I sit down with the guest one-on-one and we play a short role-playing game. It's a ton of fun. You can find that at partyofonepodcast.com. Um, a verbal hug this week. Do you have one? Hmm. Hmm. I have one. Just It's a quick one. It's just positive. Yeah. Um. I, I was lucky enough uh, yesterday to go see uh, a musical – and someone that I had worked with in college was working wardrobe. Hi, Evelyn. 
And, you know, just from us working together and us being good to each other and, you know, always helping us get e- Okay, this is my point. We've helped each other just get work for a long, for a little bit now and get people like noticing us. And Evelyn is now working wardrobe for fucking Miss Saigon on Broadway. And it's kind of like, and she got to take me backstage and I got to see all her cool stuff. It's kind of like a lesson to like be good to each other and help people. If someone has a project that you, and you love them and you appreciate them, help it grow because that's the person that'll help you with a project or when you're down or help you feel good. Just be good. And it, it, it honestly does spread out to others the good that you do. So make sure that you're treating everybody with respect. And if they have a project, respect it and, you know, tell others to do the same because other people are out there grinding just like you and they need your help just as much as you need them. And when you give yourself that in that way, like really give a part of yourself to someone else, your time, your energy, you know, whatever you can, it's going to come back to you. Mm -hmm. It might not be soon. It might not be in a year. But it will. And it's that kind of good that's like, that's what it can help change fucking lives, man. It's really wonderful because I don't know, I love seeing people do amazing things and really achieve their dreams. Mm -hmm. And it's a really cool thing to not be I wasn't a fucking part of it, but I was somewhere along the road. And it's such a wonderful feeling seeing someone fucking conquering the world and know that you played even a small role in that. So I encourage everybody to help your friends help everyone accomplish their fucking dreams no matter how grandiose or even if it's like my dream is to see the fucking grand canyon you know be a be a part of someone's life in a positive way have a good impact i was listening to a podcast recently um it's called design doc it's on itunes it's uh hannah schaefer and evan roland game designers mm. working on a sequel to their game Questlandia that they made a few years ago anyway it's a really wonderful podcast fascinating stuff go you should go listen to it but uh in the intro Hannah is describing why they made the game Questlandia, which is a really beautiful role-playing game about playing games in a society that is collapsing. And she has said the line, uh, the best thing you can bring to an uncertain future is a community of people that care for each other. Yeah, man. The, wow, that's really good. It's uh, that state that line has like been just circling in my brain ever since and i just build a community of people that care for each other and i think that like no matter what happens along your personal road and as you like go for your dreams you'll be better off because you'll have a community of people that care for each other yeah so i think that's that's my that's 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 my addition to the verbal hug is a go listen to design doc because it's great and b be the, be the center of that community or just be a part of that community of people caring for each other because it's a value it's it's a valuable thing that we very often as people don't acknowledge the importance of yeah it, it oh god i that it's so true and it's not so much in like it's not always in a work sense it's it sometimes leads to like a work sense like oh work begets work and your friends you know help you out but also it's just like you get to see people be happy mm -hmm. and you get to lift people up and help them out in their lives and there's what the fuck else is there to do with your time and sometimes you will have sometimes you will have hardship even if it's just you're you're having a really bad day and that community of people will be there to lift you up because you helped because you lifted it up when you were not having a bad day yes god this was a very good verbal hug. Good verbal hug. 
Thanks. That was a good one. That was really good. That was good. Um, yes, thanks everybody for listening. What a what a spooky this is a really spooky Halloween episode. Boo! Uh-huh. See, I got you. Damn it. See now you're fucking scared. Ha! Halloween episode finished. And until next time, good night and good, good game. game.